Good morning, clerks. Welcome back to another episode of The Clerk Commute. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Clerk Commute. I'm Sean, and this is my co-host, Benji. Today's podcast episode is centered around the specialty of anesthesia. We will discuss an introduction to the field of anesthesia and what kinds of roles anesthesiologists play inside and outside of the operating room, as well as how to prepare the room in order to shine on your first day of the rotation. This episode was edited by Dr. Sina Flaki, a staff anesthesiologist at South Lake Regional Health Center. Let's kick things off by asking, what exactly is anesthesia? And what sorts of things do anesthesiologists do? That's a great question, Sean. Anesthesiology is a specialty that is mainly concerned with the perioperative care of patients. They ensure patients are adequately optimized for surgery in the preoperative period. They proceed to provide care to patients immediately before and during the surgical procedure, which is what most people think of when they imagine what an anesthesiologist does. Anesthesiologists are focused on a patient's level of sedation and regularly monitor the hemodynamic status to ensure the patient's conditions are optimized for the highest chance of surgical success while simultaneously ensuring the patient is comfortable throughout the procedure. However, this important role is not simply finished once the surgical team completes their procedure, as the anesthesiologist must ensure the patient wakes up comfortably and manages their pain in the post-operative setting. The anesthesiologist typically continues to monitor the patient in the post-operative acute care unit, otherwise known as the PACU, until they are adequately recovered from the effects of the anesthetic or sedation. In some cases, they may transfer patients directly to the intensive care unit or the operating room. Mind you, Sean, this is only one aspect of anesthesiology. They also play a role outside of the perioperative setting in providing patients with sedation during outpatient procedures, for example, when getting a colonoscopy. And if that's not exciting enough, some anesthesiologists choose to do extra training in order to perform nerve blocks, which is a subspecialty of anesthesia known as regional anesthesia, or in specific subspecialty surgical fields, including obstetrical anesthesia, neuroanesthesia, or thoracic anesthesia. In addition, some anesthesiologists decide to work in trauma as a trauma team lead or in the ICU as an intensivist. Anesthesiologists specialize in the management of acute pain, and most hospitals will have an acute pain service. Some will also have additional training or expertise in managing chronic pain and work as chronic pain specialists. That was a great introduction to the specialty. I think this lends really well to our next point. We want to discuss the major components of anesthesia, or the main symptoms that an anesthesiologist wants to manage during a surgical procedure. These features can be easily remembered by the six A's. The six different features are anesthesia, analgesia, amnesia, areflexia, autonomic stability, and anxiolysis. Anesthesia refers to sedation or a loss of consciousness during the surgical procedure. Analgesia is relative self, relatively self-explanatory and can be achieved with a variety of pharmacological agents. The goal is to achieve adequate pain control in order for the patient to be comfortable while also maintaining hemodynamic stability among surgical stimulus. Amnesia just means making sure the patient does not have a vivid memory of the pain and potential negative experience of undergoing a surgical operation. 
Areflexia is important as muscle relaxation is required for smooth, successful tracheal intubation, but may not be required for a procedure that doesn't that only requires light sedation. Autonomic stability allows for the patient's hemodynamic status to be stable during a potentially very stimulating experience, and so it ensures their heart rate and blood pressure are not extremely labile throughout. Finally, anxiolysis is important throughout the entire perioperative period, and sometimes certain anxiolytic agents are used preoperatively, in fact, in order to calm the nerves of some patients that are anxious to undergo surgery. That was a great point, Sean. I think our listeners have a good grasp of what anesthesia is all about and some of the major features to consider when creating an anesthetic plan. As a clerk, it is important to show up early for the operating room and ideally read up about the patient's medical history who will be undergoing surgery prior to beginning your day. Another major way to shine in anesthesia is by preparing the operating room for the staff or resident anesthesiologist prior to the patient being brought in. Of course, there is no one way to set up the room, as different anesthesiologists have different preferences for how they want things set up, and different surgical procedures require variations in setup. However, there is a checklist of things that almost every surgery will require, and these are some of the basic things you can do as a clerk uh, to be helpful and even to impress your staff on the rotation. As with many things in medicine, a helpful mnemonic to remind you of the things to do when preparing the OR is Mrs. Maid's. We'll, be, we'll begin by breaking this acronym down for you and then go into each aspect in slightly more detail. So, beginning with the first M, which stands for machine. This one is often the easiest step in the checklist. The first step is to obviously turn on the anesthetic machine if it is not plugged in and active. Next, each machine is different, but you want to generally perform a diagnostic test to check for leaks and ensure the individual components are running smoothly. The machine will perform all of this automatically, and it is recommended that the check is done once per day before starting surgical cases. Your job as a clerk is to ensure the most recent check was done on the current day, and if not, to initiate the process and continue with the rest of your room preparation. Now as that machine is checking all the components, which may take a few minutes, we can move on to the next letter, which is S, and refers to suction. This is a very important step as suctioning and adjusting the chin is one of the first steps in treating hypoxia. You must ensure you have a sterile Yankauer suction catheter and that the suction pressure is adequate. Turn up the suction dial and occlude the tubing in order to check the pressure. Also, it is good to remind you at this point that you need to change the Yankauer suction and tubing in between patients, of course, as this has been contaminated with the previous patient's oral secretions. As we move on to the second M in the mnemonic, Miss Maids, we are talking about monitors. Now, when we say monitors, we're referring to a number of different equipment used to monitor the vitals and other clinical markers of the patient. The easiest way to remember the equipment needed to prepare is to think of the important vital signs that we want to monitor in the OR. We want to measure all of the typical vital signs, including heart rate, blood pressure, respiratory rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. In order to do this, we would need an automated blood pressure cuff that is appropriately sized for the patient, of course, an oxygen saturation probe, and an oral or nasal temperature probe. 
This should cover most of the vitals with exception of respiratory rate, which will be shown on our anesthesia gas machine once the patient is intubated or once the mask is placed on their face with a tight seal, only if undergoing light sedation. Lastly, we would want to have a three lead ECG at minimum to assess cardiac rhythm and sometimes extend to a five lead ECG. Extra monitoring may include adding an arterial line if the patient requires close blood pressure monitoring with beat-to-beat variability. As we move into the A, we are discussing airway, which is the exciting part for many medical students. Before thinking about endotracheal intubation, it's important to prepare the required equipment for emergency ventilation. This includes a bag valve mask, which is a correctly sized face mask and an ambu bag, as well as nasal and oral airways to insert into the patient's oropharynx if bag mask ventilation is unsuccessful. In a difficult intubation, it is imperative that you have the required tools within arm's reach for rapid ventilation of the patient. Now, we can prepare the required tools for endotracheal intubation, which is laryngoscope and preparing both Miller and Mac blades, an endotracheal tube, a stylet, suctioning equipment, which should have been prepared in an earlier step, and tape. It is also important to check the battery and light source of the laryngoscope uh, to ensure it will shine appropriate light for the good visualization of the airway. Certain procedures may be shorter duration and may not require endotracheal intubation, but ventilation can be achieved with a laryngeal mask airway. Whether an endotracheal tube or LMA is used, one should inflate the cuff to check for leaks. As a final step, it's helpful to make a bite block, which is usually just consisting of taped up folded gauze in order to prevent the patient from biting down on their tongue or on the endotracheal tube. The next step is to prepare the IV, which is another interest of many medical students, as often we as clerks are able to start IVs in patients who come in with none or who have an existing one, but we would like a secondary venous access. The items required are alcohol swabs, an IV catheter, typically a 20 gauge, a site dressing, brand name Tagaderm, gauze, and the IV line, as well as a crystalloid solution, either normal saline or Ringer's lactate. It is recommended to create an IV kit for yourself and wrap it up in the tourniquet bandage, which will also be used to occlude venous flow when starting the IV line. The next category is a dense one, and in fact, our next anesthesia-specific episode of the Clerk Commute will cover this in much more detail. The next letter is D, which stands for drugs. At this step, the drugs required will be chosen and drawn up according to their correct weight-based dosing. The major categories of drugs to consider fall into five categories. The first are the induction agents, which is often propofol, but ketamine or atomidate can also be used. Of note, lidocaine is added to propofol or delivered intravenously prior to giving the patient propofol to mitigate the burning sensation that patients endorse when receiving propofol intravenously. The second drug category, being muscle relaxants, includes rucuronium or succinylcholine. Next are analgesics and a variety of medications fall into this class or have some analgesic effect, but typically an opioid is used which may either be hydromorphone or fentanyl. As these are controlled substances, the anesthesiologist supervising you would likely bring these drugs into the OR as they are not in the anesthetic cart and they will likely draw them up. 
Next, the drugs to consider would be the ones that will assist with emergence or waking up the patient after surgery is complete. Oftentimes, neostigmine is used as a reversal agent for the muscle relaxant and glycopyrrolate is given in conjunction to lessen the cholinergic effects of neostigmine. Last, but by no means of any less importance, are the emergency drugs which include ephedrine, phenylephrine, and atropine. These are agents used to assist with bradycardia or hypertension intraoperatively. We have reached the final step in the preparation of the room. In fact, sometimes this step may not apply to you if the surgical procedure you're preparing for does not require any special equipment, which is the final S of our mnemonic, Miss Maids. Special equipment may include a pulmonary artery catheter, an arterial line catheter, bear hugger for warmth, nasogastric or orogastric tubes, among many other items. This step may be something that is discussed with your staff anesthesiologist prior to the case in order to get their opinion on what special equipment may apply to the upcoming patient and what you can assist with in preparation if possible. In summary, we gave you all a brief introduction to the fields of anesthesia and provided you with two important lists to remember. We talked about the six aids of anesthesia, which include anesthesia, analgesia, amnesia, a reflexia, autonomic stability, and anxiolysis. We also discussed a helpful mnemonic to remember when preparing the OR for an anesthetic, MISMAIDS. This stands for machine, suction, monitors, airway, IV, drugs, and special equipment. Wow, we really did talk about a lot in this episode. We hope this was helpful for you. Thank you all for listening. Tune in next episode of The Clerk Commute where we will discuss the pharmacology of general anesthetic and give you details on the medications used in a standard induction, maintenance, and emergence. Now then, thank you for listening and enjoy your commute.